Welcome to the SDA Housing Podcast, brought to you by NDIS Property Australia. Before starting this episode, we need to provide a general disclaimer. Information contained in this podcast is general in nature only. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. You need to consider your financial situation and needs before making any decisions based on the information in this podcast. And you should consider seeking independent and professional advice for your personal circumstances. All right, let's begin. Hello, everybody. My name is Min, and I'm your co-host with Debbie from Endos Pop Australia. And boys, a fun leading up towards Christmas. This is one of the last few episodes we have for the year, and we're are we going to get two on by the end of the year, Debbie? We're at one eighty-five, one eighty-six now, I think. Episodes somewhere like that. Yeah, no, that's probably going to be January, I think. Yeah, but anyway, today's episode is uh, is what? What's the title of the episode today, Debbie? Advice to an SDA provider. A SIL and SDA provider. A new SDA provider. Yeah, sure. Debbie, you want to read and go from here? You go. Yeah. So we received an email over the weekend from Muhammad. He says, hi, I'm a registered with extensive experience in hospital and community nursing, and I've recently commenced my business as an SDA, sorry, as an NDIS provider. I've registered in the following registration groups, assist personal activities, high assist life stage, transition assist, personal activities assist, travel, transport community nursing care, daily tasks, shared living, innovative community participation, development, life skills, household tasks, participate in community, SDA, support coordination and group centre activities. My plan was to establish my business in WA, but after listening to your podcast, the SDA Housing Podcast, I am considering moving to Sydney. I lived and worked there for 11 years and find my way around the SDA housing market, especially around the western suburbs of Sydney. I need a suggestion about where to set up my base as an NDIS provider, with my main focus on SDA housing, New South Wales, South Australia, WA. And secondly, I'm very new to the business, but have a vision to create something which sets us apart from all the other providers. Thirdly, I want to know if I should secure the participants first before contacting the builders Or should I contact the builders first before securing participants? I have confusion here. Please let me know if you can provide any information or connect me with any relevant person who can point me towards the right direction in the SDA market. All right. Confused? You're confused. I'm confused. (laughs) So, Mohammed, are you a SIL provider or are you an SDA provider? Well, looks like he's he's got SDA registration. He has registration for... A whole lot of different areas. I'm not sure if he's actually going to be operating as a SIL. I think he's looking at operating predominantly as an SDA provider. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think you so. You don't think so? Look, look at his background. He's a nurse. True. In hospital. That's true. Yeah. He applied he did say for that. a um, NDIS registration for covering SDA and SIL and support coordination. So I guess. Firstly, Muhammad, you probably need to just work out exactly what it is you want to do. Do you want to concentrate on being the SDA provider or are you uh, more looking to work with participants here? Let's make some assumptions here. Mm. There's three there's three paths here and let's cover all those three paths, Debbie. First of all, Muhammad, they match money being an SDA provider. Nah. You basically are a glorified property manager. Are you a property manager? Really? 
Do you want to maintain and look after houses? Do you really want to be a SDA provider slash SIL provider going out there knocking on doors of SIL providers and saying, hey, I'm a SDA provider. Give me your participants. And they say to you, hang on, bro. Aren't you a SIL provider as well? And you say, yeah. Then they would say, well, why the hell would I give you my participants? You're just going to steal them off me, aren't you? In which case, you can't, you can't say, no, I'm not going to steal them. Because there's a conflict here, Muhammad. You are a SIL provider. I think... I think what you are, you are going to be two-thirds a SIL provider and one-third an SCA provider, meaning all your energy will be going to providing care, support provisions, and support coordination. Your background is hospital and community nursing. That's what you are. You know, if you think having an SCA provider license and going up there and just knocking on doors of SIL providers is going to be easy, no, it ain't going to be that easy. We know a lot of SA providers who are just one-man bands or full-time SDAs, and they, they struggle. They actually really struggle to, um, to be an SDA provider. So I guess the question here, Mohammed, is do you really want to be an SDA provider? If you're looking at developing SDA and you want uh, advice and assistance on, on how to do it, securing the participants before contacting builders or well, way well, Debbie, first of all, no one's gonna, no one can teach you. No, it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> well, like, like we can't give you advice on how to do this, and then, and no one out there is going to help you at all. You are on your own, buddy. I'm I'm sorry to say this, but you got to learn how to be an SDA provider yourself. Mm. Right? That's the first bad news for you. Secondly, the Sydney market is hard to crack. Debbie, you've done a recent podcast on SDA Unlocked about Sydney, like. There's not much stock, is there, in Sydney, Debbie? No, there's very little new build because it's just not been up until recently at all financially viable to do so. So, Mohammed, if there's no, if there's minimal stock in Sydney, how are you going to be an SDA provider? How? It's it's too expensive for investors to come into Sydney to invest in there. And if it's, if that ain't happening, how are you going to get into it? If you are a one man band, right? And I'll be honest. With no experience and no knowledge and no staff and no resources and no office and no participants, why on earth would anyone, builder or developer, give you access to their stock to manage their SDA provider, to be managing as an SDA provider their property stock? What do you bring to the table? And if the answer is nothing, I'm sorry to say this, but you ain't got no hope in succeeding as a startup SDA provider in the Sydney market. Mm. Now, in saying that, if you didn't want to crack the Sydney market and want to stay in WA, now that could be different. But it still, comes, it still comes back to who do you know in Perth, WA? Who are your connections? Do you know many participants? You know, it's the average participant. Uh, so that's your SIL provider has five. I know a lot of SIL providers who only, get, only have five participants. They can't crack number four, number six, number seven. They can't. The majority of SIL providers in Australia are at five. And the reason for that is, Min? A lot of reasons. Lack of resources to grow. Lack of ability. You end up being in a, running around in circles just looking after your four or five participants. As a SIL provider slash support worker, you are running your own business. There's working in your business, working on your business. You know, it comes down to who are you? Are you one man band or are you a multiple? Are you are 10 staff, you know? Who's doing your marketing? Are, are people... Uh, support coordinators, he's, uh, he's our thing. If you are also a support coordinator, other support coordinators would not refer business to you. So there's an old saying in, in life, a jack of all trades and a master of none. And you say, you're an SDA provider, you're a SIL provider, you're a support coordinator. Like, what are you? Be good at one thing and stick to it. Because if you're everything and have nothing to your business as a, as a, as a resource, then you won't achieve much. 
You got to hustle. You got you got to knock on doors. You got to do what it takes. But you know, we are in the SDA space, Mohammed. We are, and we see a lot of bad, hopeless, and struggling SDA providers who shouldn't be in the game of SDA management. Right. The fact is, you have good experience and background being a nurse. That's great. But do you have the um, business now to grow a business from zero to five, from five to ten, ten to fifty? Do you have the resources to grow and hire staff? You know, so they are definitely important things to consider in running a business overall, and they're running an SDA business, and they're not running a SIL business. The money for you is being a care business, care provider business, participating in communities, what coordination and group activities for sure. But that's that's probably where you should specialize in. Hey, let's say I'm wrong. Let's say I'm wrong. Do you know many builders in Sydney? Do you know who they are? Do you know if they actually do SDA builds? Do we, do you, we don't know many builders in Sydney. No. It's very hard to find builders in Sydney who do SDA. Now, if we can't find them, how do you find them? All right? I'm not saying this to be negative. I'm just being a realist here. You are a one-man band trying to go from Perth to Sydney and start up a new business and think, oh. And, and the one thing I want our listeners to understand is, and this, this is not, well, our listeners are more investors, but I'm sure there are providers on this list who are listening on our on podcast and also builders and developers. Just because you have a provider license doesn't mean you'll be a good SDA provider. No. And remember that the provision of SDAs is, as Min said at the beginning, you're a property manager first and foremost. So it's about managing the bricks and mortar physical dwelling. And it's totally different from care provision and SIL provision. So again, it comes down to, you know, what you, you say you have a vision to create something that sets you apart from other providers. And that is amazing. And I hope you can make that vision a reality. But you, you really need to work out exactly what you want to do so that you know how to go about doing it. And also, Mohammed, I would like Debbie to explain to you the conflict of interest of wearing two hats of being a SIL provider and an SDA provider. Because we've covered this topic many times over the last two years. And Debbie, I want you to talk about like, talk again about this topic. Is it a good idea to be an SDA provider and a SIL provider at the same time, Debbie? Look, generally not. The NDIS frowns upon that. They really want to see the separation of those supports. Why? So if you are the SDA provider and you're also the care provider for the participants living in the home, if your carers are going in and looking after them, if, if the participants don't like those carers, what are they going to do? How do they change? Do they have to leave out, move that out of that home? Do they have to leave where they're living because they don't have the choice of changing their carers that they don't like? So, you know, that's that's the main conflict. And I know there are certain circumstances where this can work. If you if you have the participant that you've been looking after for a long time and they desperately need a home and you can develop that for them, that's probably going to be okay. But at the end of the day, you really just got to be aware if there is going to be a conflict. And if you are going to be providing both SDA and SIL supports, Make sure that you're doing it under two very separate entities within your business, that there is the definite separation of how the two business sides of the business operate. So my advice to you is, Mohammed, do not be a, both a SDA provider and a SIL provider. Choose one or the other. Choose, choose, sorry, choose one. Yeah, and since your background is in hospital and community nursing, that's to me would make sense yeah. as you concentrate on that area rather than the SDA side of it. But more importantly, Mohammed, why do you want to do an SDA provider? What business? Why? 
So if you know there's conflict of interest potentially, and you know the NDIA is going to is move towards a separation of the two, why build a business which is not going to last for long when at some point you have to close down the SDA provider business, right? And just because you have an SDA provider license doesn't mean you should be out there running around trying to be an SDA provider because you're seen as a competitor trying to steal other participants from other SIL providers. Do you know many SIL providers in, in Sydney? Do you know many sport coordinators in Sydney? If the answer is no and no, then don't do it. And if and the question is, do you know many builders in Sydney? Do you know many developers in Sydney? If the answer is no and no, then don't do it. Okay? It's very, very hard trying to be a property manager, SDA provider, you know? And, you know, if I, if I, if I met you in, fir- in person, face-to-face, I'd ask you why, you, why are you doing this? Is it about the money or is it about control? Control of the property, the bricks and mortar side of things, and also of the care. If that's the case, it's not doesn't give the participants choice of control to do to choose what they want. What if one day your your participants in your house that you are a SDA provider of, they say we don't want your care anymore. We want to choose our own care provider. Are you going to say yeah, sure, bring in your own care provider in my house, or are you going to say no? So I think you're going to say no because you want to control the bricks and mortar side and the provision side and not give the participant the choice of control. And if, if that's the case, you're not doing the right thing under the code of conduct of the NDIA, which means there's a breach or a conflict of interest here. So I think you should not promote yourself as an SDA provider, provider business because all the big players in the game, and there be, you know, I've spoken to many providers out there who know the big boys, the big, big boys, like the Arumas, the Life Without Barriers, and all those big providers out there who are SIL providers with four, five, six thousand participants who also have an SDA provider license, they do not use that SDA provider license. They prefer to outsource it. Debbie, didn't we meet recently a business on the Gold Coast, a, a not-for-profit? We did. Well, what, what was that story about? We went to their office in, in Rabina, at uh, Rabina. Yeah, they have a bunch of participants, I think about 45 Scattered around South Australia. 45 of many. There's many more. New, there's yeah, but, but 200 or so, yeah. Specifically, there was 45 participants in SDAs or SIL homes in South Australia and New South Wales and Queensland that need to move out of their current properties. So they've contacted us to assist them in, in maybe getting new SDAs developed for these. But they are SDA provider licensed, but they don't do the SDA provision. They they want to have someone else come in with the properties and they just look after the care. So they had a lot of participants in legacy housing and they own the property as well, but they just realised it just couldn't work being a property owner and a provider and a SIL provider and a charity. And they're an old business with these participants for many, many years. So there are a lot of big businesses out there, uh, Mohammed, who just realise it's too hard being both. I believe that the when SDA started, because there weren't any SDA providers, the SIL providers were automatically given, given that yeah. registration, weren't they, Min? Yeah, they were, yeah. So that's why so many providers, SIL providers, have SDA registration but have never used it because that's just not in their skill set, and rightly so, because this is property management first um, and foremost. Yep, yep. And Debbie, you had a recent podcast with um, SDA Consulting with Karina and Nicole, uh-huh. and they said... Exactly the same thing, didn't they? Absolutely, that it is 
property management plus plus plus. So you really need to have that experience, that knowledge, that skill set to look after SDA properties. Now, Mohammed, if you moved back to Sydney to manage these so so many participants out there, you won't have time to run around being a property manager, doing inspections, doing trust account payments, if there is that at all, handling the the product portal account of claiming funds. You know, it's it's a lot of work. And it is not as financially rewarding as you as everyone thinks it is. My advice is to stick to one thing. Don't be both. And good luck, I guess, no matter what you choose. That's all I have to say, Debbie. Mm. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. Um, just stick with what you're good at doing and, and don't try to do too many things. Don't try to be everything. Be good at something and stay doing that. Your last line in your email here, Mohammed, it says, please let me know if you can provide any information or connect me with any relevant person who can point me towards the right direction in the SDA market. Mm. Who can I refer you to, Mohammed, to point you in the right direction? To what? To me builders? To give you advice? Because whoever we refer you to, they're going to say exactly what we just said today. Do not be an SDA provider unless your heart is in it, okay? And you know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, there's no one to refer to. Really, I mean, what, refer you to a SIL provider who is also an SDA provider to tell you whether that's a good thing to do or not? Or Yeah, I guess, you know, I'm still from your email, Muhammad, not 100% sure exactly what you're trying to get out of being an SDA provider and... and and potentially looking at building in Sydney. We'd be very happy to talk to you more if you want to clarify sort of what your objective and your vision is. The, the biggest, and my, my, this is my final word of advice here to Mohammed. the biggest challenge of being an SDA provider is talking to, dealing with investors. Yeah. Do you agree? Absolutely. And we have friends in, you know, SDA provider businesses, and they say, they are sick and tired of talking to these investors who ask, what's my return going to be? Can you give me a guarantee? How many participants have you got in this area waiting for a home? And Mohammed, I know your answer going to be, I have zero participants. I can't give you any guarantees. And I don't know what the income's going to be. Because it takes 12 months to 24 months to build an SDA. So what are you going to do for the next two years waiting for these properties to be built? Earn no money being an SDA provider? You're going to work as a SIL provider. Providing care, support. You're trying to get networking and business out there. And as a result, you're going to be a very poorly run SDA provider business. Now, I could be wrong here and you have half a million bucks in the bank and you're going to hire 10 staff tomorrow. I'm going to do everything for you in Sydney. But you still got to wait for things to be built and prove to others why they should give you the, 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 the built houses or apartments to you be the SDA provider. And if no experience and no resources, they're not going to work with you, Mohammed. Um, you know, unless you're you're a good networker and you're a good marketer and you have the resources, don't go there. In fact, would would we be ourselves, Debbie? Do we want to be an SF provider ourselves? Why not? <laughs> Where do I start? For those same reasons, I guess. <laughs> be good at one thing and not everything. You can't you can't be a master of everything. Don't be a jack of all trades. Don't do that. Yeah. Anyway, I hope our listeners got a different feel for our viewpoint about this kind of advice for a provider. And this is probably our first time we've actually done a, a, a bit of advice to a provider. And, um, you know, there's only so much we can talk about with investing and all that kind of stuff and, and data and research. But this gives us a bit of a different 
exposure to to other provider businesses out there who are also thinking about being a provider in the SDA side of the things. We've done enough. Um, you know, we had a podcast about five, six, six months ago, seven months ago with Dan Ackerfield from Everhomes, and it was it was about the separation of um, of uh, services of duties. So, Mohammed, please refer that refer to that podcast with uh, with Everhomes that we did about six months ago, and go from there. Anyway, that's all we have to say for this awesome topic, Debbie. Yep, absolutely. And look, we're always learning and we're always talking to different providers with different takes on things. So yeah, Muhammad, any clarification you want, any any questions, please let us know. But I hope that you got a little bit out of this episode and a bit more understanding of of really what goes on in the background when it comes to provision of different types of supports to NDIS participants in the SDA space. Cool. Thank you very much, Debbie. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure you are subscribed and following us so you can keep in the loop with all of our upcoming episodes. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating, a written review, and to share this podcast with those that could benefit. Until next time, catch you on the next episode.